begin the Gemara today, two lines from the bottom of the final from the base, my timer. The Gemara here brought the Mila of the Yidin in the Midbar, that actually the Yidin could not do a Bris Mila in the Midbar. So when they came to Eretz Yisrael, Yeshua did the Bris Mila for the Yidin on Yeral of Nisan. So here the Gemara asks the question, why did they not do a Bris in the Midbar? My time, uh, midbar that is, midbar my time alaymal. So in the midbar, what's the reason why the Eden did not make a brismila? So or the reason is because of the weakness of them traveling from one place to another, so they, they could not uh, make a bris. So the Rishayim point out, even though you do find that the Eden wore in certain places for a very long period of time, and they had enough time to do a bris without having any chulshadorcha. But they never knew though. It was so they could have been in a place for just one day and continue moving further. So they never were able to rely on the fact that they're going to stay there to make a bris. Another reason is because when they were in the Midbar, the wind that comes from the north did not blow for them. So Rashi says this is a wind that um, it's a very good wind. It's not too hot, not too cold, and it's it's good for healing a wound, and therefore it's, it's important, it's necessary to have when you make a bris. So they didn't have this, mid, this, this wind, that is, when they were in the Midbar. Tanya, all 40 years they didn't were in the Midbar, they did not have this wind coming from the north. My time, what's the reason? The reason is, because the Eden were rejected from the Eibishter, because of the Chet of the Egel. So they were not fitting to have this wind coming from the north. And Rashi says that this is a, a reflection of a, a, a revelation from the Eibishter that the Eden were not Zeichetu. Or another reason is, because they were surrounded by the Anani Kovit, and the Eibishter did not open up and separate the Anani Kovit to allow this wind from the north to come to them. So therefore they couldn't do the bris. There's a big machlekes rishayinim over here, when you get to this, that it says that the Yidin did not have a bris. Does that mean that none of the Yidin in the Midbar for all 40 years brought a carbon Pesach? One of the conditions to bring a carbon Pesach is to have a bris first. So seemingly based on what the Gemara says, they did not make a bris, so they did not bring the carbon Pesach, right? And that's what it says, that the only, well, it says the first time, Bashan Na'ashen, is only the first year after they came out of Mitzrayim, they brought a carbon Pesach, and then there was the story of Pesach Sheni. But following that, they did not bring a Pesach Sheni. That's what, what Rev Rishayinim say. But some Rishayinim say, the war Yidin did have a bris. Most of Kali Yisrael maybe did not. But there were those that did, and those that did brought the carbon Pesach. Only those that didn't did not. But you see, it's, it's, not, it's not only that you have to have a bris, but any of those Yidin that had children in the Midbar, and the children don't have a bris, that already doesn't allow you to bring the carbon Pesach. So there's a machleikas Yishayinim about this. Taisus here touches upon this. Other Yishayinim here. Om Rav Papa, Rav Papa says, If it's a cloudy day, or if it's a day where there's a wind that comes from the south, instead of the wind from the north, the wind from the south is, is, not a, is, is the opposite. It's not a good wind. It's, 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 it's not going to help a person heal properly by a bris. You do not make a bris on this day. And also, you should not let blood on this day. Which a person, become, a person becomes very weak by this and uh, you need to have, be properly healed. But for Ha'idna, and now in our times, the Dasha Be'rabim, that many have already went in this way, when many have make a bris, even if it's windy from the south, and even if it's cloudy, Shoyme P'sayim Hashem. The Ebishter protects those that are not careful, the doing, the doing a mitzvah, the Ebishter protects them. Or even, even not a mitzvah, actually, even over here, B'nigayat, to Akaz Esdam. 
So we learned in the Braise regarding this. All these 40 years, the Yidin wore the Midbar. There wasn't a day. That the Ebesha didn't bring out this wind from the north at Chatzai Salayla. So even though we just said that during the day that wind did not blow, for the reasons we just said, but at Chatzais that northern wind did blow. Shanamaz, it says, this is going back to when Yidin wore Mitzrayim, when it came to Chatzais, and Makis Bechayris took place. So the Gemara asks, my Talmudah, how are we learning from this Pasuk regarding Makis Bechayris, that also when Yidin wore in the Midbar, there was this special northern wind that came for them. What this Pasuk is telling me is, the Ace Ratzen, Milsihi. The fact that Chatzai Salaila is an Ace Ratzen and therefore Makas Bechayris happened at that time, so it's, it's a, an auspicious time, and therefore this Ruach Tzafainis also came for the Eden in the, in, in, uh, when they were in the Midbar. Nashir actually says that it's not only when Yidin were in the Midbar, but this is Bechlal, every single night at Chatzai Salaila, there's the northern wind that comes, there's the famous Gemara in Brachas that speaks about David Amelot that had a harp and that he woke up from the wind that blew at his harp at Chatzai Salayla, this is this wind over here. Over here it's, it says the Arbaim Shana, specifically because before we said that Yidin did not have this Ruach to find us the entire 40 years, so the Gemara wants to tell you the Chiddush, that it, didn't, it wasn't by day. But still, at, at the Eis Ratzin of Chatzai Salayla, even when the Yidin were in the Midbar, and they were Nezufim, according to one opinion, that's the reason they didn't come, but nevertheless, the Yidin did get this wind at Chatzai Salayla. Going back to the halachis we spoke about before, benigay to an oral eating truma. So an oral is not allowed to eat truma. So Ravuna says, So now, a person that had a bris, but he, he drew back, he brought back that foreskin to cover it, so he's not anymore, he doesn't look like a person that had a bris ever. He could, he still can eat truma because he had a bris done for him. But they decreed upon this person that he should not eat Roman because he looks like a person that never had a bris. So they asked Rafuna from this Braise, it says, The Braise says, a person that pulled the foreskin back, so he has to do a bris again. So it seems from here that even the bris is not done and therefore he has to do a bris again. So the Gemara answers, no, when it says Tzarech Shiyomayel, it doesn't mean that Minatayri has to do a bris again. All it means is Midrabanan, they require him to do the bris again because it looks like he never made a bris. The one that asked the question from this Braise, what was he even thinking? Why would he think to say that this Braise is saying that Minatayri, he's going to be an oral? And the Braise uses the expression Tzarech Shiyomayel. If it would mean to say that Minatayri, he's not a, a mohol anymore, the Braise should have just simply said, Moshuch that a person that pulled the foreskin back is an oral. So Tzarech is pretty clear that it's only Midrabana. So why was he even asking from here? As Gemara says, Tzarech Ketani. All it says is Tzarech that he has to do a bris again. And for the Gemara, Katoi Beseife. reason he's asking from here is because he made a mistake based on what it says in the continuation in the Seife of this Braise. What does it say there? Rabbi Yudai, Rabbi Yudai says, Lo Yimoyl, that a person that's already an adult and... He pulled back the foreskin. He should not make a bris again. This is a sakana that when he cuts the foreskin, he may cut the aver itself. 
Amrulai, so they said to Rabbi Yehuda, no, there's no sakana for this. We know in the time of Ben Kuziba, many made a bris, even though they were adults. And this is also a story over there that happened that the Romans decreed upon the Eden that they should be Moshech their Arla and they should appear, that like they didn't have had a bris. And then after Ben Kuziba fought off the Romans and the, the decree was annulled, so then the Eden made a bris again. And Vailidu Banam Ubanis, and they gave birth to, to, to daughters and sons. So we see that in the times of Ben Kaziba, the adults made a bris. So it's not a problem. And then the Braisa finishes off why there's a, a mahol, again, not a mahol, a, a moshuch that is, a person that pulled his foreskin. Why does he have to make a bris again? Shanema himoil, himoil. The Pasuk uses a double ashen that you should make a bris. That means a filamei upon him. Even if it has to be done a hundred times if you pull the foreskin back. And Vaimit, there's another Pasuk that says, as brisi heifa that you, you annulled the, the covenant by pulling back the, the, the foreskin, and that is coming to add that even a person that's moshuch, he also has to do the bris again. So because in the seifa of this b'raise, it brings these psukim, it seems like that the b'raise is saying that it's a mitzvah minatayra. But really the b'raise that brought these psukim is just an asmachta, it's not a chiv minatayra. Now the Gemara explains, my vayme, why does the Braiser bring a second Pasik? <coughs> why isn't it enough to learn from the Pasik, Himoil Yimoil? Because if he teme, if you'll argue and say, hi, Himoil Yimoil, this double lotion of Himoil Yimoil does not mean a person that pulled his foreskin back that he has to do the bris again. Ra- rather, maybe this comes to include also, like we said before, person that has tzitzin, this piece of flesh from the foreskin that are not fully removed and they hold back the mila of being fully done, that that's what the Pasuk is saying, that you have to fully get it done to fully remove it. But Nalav Dafke is referring to the Moshuch, that's why it brings the second Pasuk of Asbrisi Heifa. Toshema, so therefore brings the Pasuk, Asbrisi Heifa, L'Rabis Esa Moshuch, to say that a person that pulled his foreskin back, he has to remove it again and make a bris again. So now the Gemara concludes the Indian here and explains, when you get to the one that asked the question from this Braise, so who sova midikanos of la shas kro, because in this Braise it brings psukim doiraisihi, that this is minatayre, that you mechoyev to do the bris again. And velayhi, but he's not right, midirabanon, the requirement of doing the bris again is only midirabanon, the kro asmachta balma. And the pasik is just an asmachta chazala relying on this on the lashon of the pasik for the takana that they said. Meisvei, the Gemara asks another question on the halach of Rav Huna. Again, Rav Huna said that a moshuch is not allowed to eat trume mit Rabbanon. So the Braise says, tumtum ein eichel betrume. Person that's a tumtum, so you don't know if he's a zachar or a nekeva. Possibly he's a zachar, but it's, it's closed up, so maybe he's a oral, so he can't eat trume. But Noshav, Avadav, his wife or his, his servants, eichlen, they do eat trume. Moshuch, a person that pulled the foreskin back, v'nailet kishumal, a person that's born with a bris, hare elu oichlem, they could eat trume. So the Braise here is clearly saying, not like Rav Huna, Moshuch could eat trume. Andreganes, a man that, uh, that's uh, well, actually not Andreganes, he has both simonim of a zacher and an akeve. Oichel betrume, he could eat trume. So we're talking about an Andreganes that a bris was made for him. So if he's, if he's a man or a woman, he's able to eat trume. But he cannot eat kachim because the, the halacha Sarashi says it's speaking about kachi kachim. Kachi kachim could only be eaten by a zacharim that are kainim, not by a woman. And now the Braise repeats again. A tumtum does not eat not trume and not kachim. Why the Braise repeats this again, the Gemara will explain. But what did it say here in the Braise? Mashuch. 
This person that pulled back the foreskin, or he's born with a bris, and they didn't do a toughest down bris again. He can eat trome. This refutes what Ravona said. What is, concludes this is a refutation of Ravona's opinion. This is the Gemara the way it appears over here, but Rashi actually brings it. There's another Gersa in our Gemara, because from the continuation of the Gemara, it seems like that a Moshoch can't eat Troma. And here in this Brais, it's saying that he could. So Rashi brings another Gersa in this Gemara, that when the Brais here said that a Moshoch could eat Troma, the, the, this whole Brais is speaking about the Halacha Min HaTayra. And, and other Rabbah, the Gemara is bringing a Raya from this Brais. The Gemara is saying that in this Brais, we see that like Rav Hone said, that a Moshoch Min HaTayra could eat a Troma, but only with Rabbanon, there's a Gzaira that he can't. So it's actually a Raya to Rav Hone, not a refutation to what Rav Hone said. That's another Pshat Rashi brings, and Rashi says that he, it seems to him that that Pshat is right. Now what did it say in the Braise? That a Tumtum cannot eat Truma, but Noshav, Avadav, his wife or his servants, they do eat Truma. So the Gemara wants to understand now what's exactly this case. A Tumtum has a wife. So Noshav, the Tumtum Minole. A wife for a Tumtum, how is this even possible? Ilaymid the Kaddish, if you're going to say this Tumtum. So again, a Tumtum is a person that you can't see any Simonim if he's a Zachar or a Nekeva. So he went and he was Mekaddish, a wife. So now, if you're going to say that that's the story here, the Tanya, as we learned in Abra'i, Tumtum Shekiddish. A Tumtum that went and was Mekaddish, a woman. So Kiddush of Kiddushin, the Kiddushin takes effect as a Suffolk here. It could be that he's a man. So therefore, when he's Mekaddish, a Isha, it could be it takes effect. So we have to be Machmer that the Kiddushin took effect. And the same in the reverse, Niskadesh, if he's being treated like a woman, and a man was Makadish him or her, so then Kiddush of Kiddushin. So then his Kiddushin also took, this Kiddushin also took effect. So we see over here regarding a Tumtum that there is a Kiddushin that takes effect, L'Chumre. So the Gemara says, Hey, Medomar, when do we say that this Kiddushin takes effect? L'Chumre, we have to be Machmer because we don't know if he's a Zohar or a Nekeva. But Lakula Miyamrinan, over here, we want to use this also Lakula to say that his, his, uh, uh, his uh, Noshim, that his, the wife that he was, Makadish, will be Mekel and allow her to go and eat Truma. If he, for example, is a Kayan and he was Makadish, a wife, we're going to say that this Kiddushan took effect to allow his wife to eat Truma. That's a Kula. How could you allow this uh, Kiddushan, how could you say that this Kiddushan takes effect even using it for this Kula to allow his wife to eat Truma? Suffolk Isha, it's only a, it's a Suffolk, he, he might be even a, a woman himself or herself. And so if he's a woman, he can't be Mekadosh, a, a, a woman. So the condition didn't take effect. <coughs> so Abayi explains, there's two answers here. Abayi says that two, there are two types of people that are in the category, that are in the category of a Tumtum. So here, in the Reish of this Brai said, speaking about Keshebetza of Nikores Mibachotz, he's not a full Tumtum. Part of the Ever, the Beitzim, the testicles are outside, so therefore we know that he's a Zachar. Elamai, he can't make a Bris, because the, the other part of the Ever is not there to make the Bris, so therefore he himself will not be able to eat Rome. He's an Arul, but we know that he's a Zachar. That's why his Avadim or his wife can eat Rome. One shot. Rav Rav says, "My Noshov over here in the in the ratio, when it talks about a tumtum, it's speaking about a full tumtum. I it says that his wife is eating trum. It doesn't mean his wife. When it says Noshov Imo, it's really referring to his mother. Right? This is a case where you had a a bas Yisrael that married a Kayin. So if she has a son from this marriage or any child from this marriage of the to this Kayin, so in that schos the mother could eat trum. That's always the halacha, and that's what this brayse means." It's referring to the mother, Pshita. 
That's obvious. Anytime you have a child married to a Kayin, so the mother can eat Truma. What's the Chiddush here? The Chiddush here is, I would think to say, If this mother, if this Yisraelis that was married to a Kayin, has a child, and this child himself could give birth, maybe only then this child will cause that the mother could eat But if the child that was born from this marriage cannot give birth himself, maybe then the mother does not eat trauma, right? And the reason is, that Rashi here says, because it says, Yilid Beisai, uses the term Yilid, maybe that means only someone that, a child that could give birth. Toshama, that's what the Braise says, that, Tumtum Eina Eichol Leibetrume, Again, sorry, Kamash Malon, that is. Kamash Malon, so therefore it comes and it teaches me that even this child that cannot give birth, the mother could still eat Roma. Okay, not Toshima, it's a separate thing. Now the Gemara goes back. We had over here two Pshatim in this Braise. According to the Abaye, the ratio of the Braise is talking about sort of a half a Tumtum. And according to Rave, the, the ratio of the Braise, when it mentions Tumtum, is talking about a regular Tumtum. So the Gemara now brings what it says in the Sefer when it repeats the Halacha again. So Toshima, what does it say in the Sefer? Tumtum ain't oichel lebetrum bevolebekotchim. That a tumtum doesn't eat not truma and not kotchim. So the question over here is, why does the Brisa repeat this halacha a second time? So now Bishloim alabaye. It's understood according to that Baye why it says it again. Tana reisha orel vaday. In the reisha, when it talks about a half tumtum, you see that he has. He's really a zachar, so really is an orel. So they are speaking about an orel vaday. So because you know he's an orel, so the Brisa and the reisha is saying the halacha that he can't eat truma. And then the Katani Seif is Safik Arl. And the Seif, it speaks about a full Tumtum. So he's a Safik. You don't know if he's a Zachar or a Nekeve. And it's saying that even regarding a Safik Arl, that he cannot eat Trum or Kachim. But according to Rave, Tumtum the Seif Lomali. Why does it have to say the Allah of a Tumtum again in the Seif if in the Reisha it's speaking about a full Tumtum? Says the Gemara, my Tumtum. When it says tumtum in the reisha, tumtum over there, again, sorry, not in the reisha, in the sefer that is. When it says in the sefer tumtum, it really meant to say an oral, a full oral. But how does it answer this? If in the reisha when it says a tumtum, it means a suffix. And you say that he can't eat trume, you would think that a vade oral would eat trume. Why does it have to say in the, in the sefer regarding a vade oral that he would not eat trume? So the Gemara answers, Ma Tam Ka'omar. The Seifa is not a repetition, but the Seifa is giving the reason. Ma Tam Tumtum Eina What's the reason why a Tumtum cannot eat Trume? Because a Tumtum is a person that he might need a Bereh, so therefore he's a Suffolk Oral. And for Oral Eina Eichol, Lebe Trume, Lebe Kotchem. And the Allah is that an Oral cannot eat not Trume and not Kotchem. That's what the Seifa is saying. It's giving the reason for the Allah of what it said in, this, in the Reisha. Going back to the halacha that Rav Huna said, Rav Huna said that an, a, a moshuch, a person that pulled his foreskin back, he could eat trume, but he cannot. So shall we say that this is a machleikis tanoim? Says Nebraise, moshuch, this person that pulled the foreskin back, according to one Gersi, a guy to say that he was born when he was mohol, the Gersh and his guy, a kishumol, a ger that, made, that he, was, he converted, and he was already mohol from before, the cotton shav is manoi, a cotton that's already passed the eight days when the bris was supposed to be done. Vishar kolanimailam, or anybody else that has, needs a bris to be done for him. Now the Gemara explains right away what that means. Lasuye mi. Lasuye, this comes to include Misha Yeshlai Shteya a person that's born with two foreskins, so they both have to be removed. 
All of these people, the bris mila, like like a regular bris, that's done on the eighth day for a baby. So all of these individuals as well, the bris has to be done by daytime. says, a bris that's being done in its time in the regular way on the eighth day. So that has to be done by day on the eighth day. Shaloi bismana, a bris that's not being done in the regular time, nimailim bayayimu balayla. The bris can be done by day or by night. So now the Gemara focuses on the first case mentioned here in this b'raisa, which is the case of the moshuch when he's doing a bris a second time, not in the regular time on the eighth day. So my love, don't you think, what's the basis of the argument whether this moshuch has to do the bris by day or even by night, so the basis of the argument is as follows. The mass of a Moshech Doi Raisa. Rabbi Lazar that says that the Moshech has to do the bris by day, it's because he says that the chiyo for him to do a bris is menatayre. So just like the bris always has to be done by day, so he also has to do it by day. The first opinion of the Brai says that the Moshech is only required to do the bris with the Rabbanon, so it can be done by night. It's just to, to, because he doesn't look like a Mahal, so it can be done by day or by night. So the Gemara doesn't accept this pshat. Vitizbara, is this a good explanation here? Moshuch is not the only case mentioned in this b'raisa. You have the b'raisa mentions cotton sho'ovaz manay, a cotton that never had a bris, and it's past the eight days. Is there anybody that holds that for this cotton, his mitzvah to do the bris is only midrabanon? And you would be able to say this explanation that midrabanon, so it could be done by, by night? Of course he has to do it midrabanon. So what are they arguing about whether the bris has to be done by day or not? So everybody agrees, Moshuch de Everybody agrees the mitzvah that by when it comes to a Moshuch, so like Rav Huna said, for him the chiv to do a bris is only mid And the cotton, Shavazmanoi, and when it comes to a cotton that did not have a bris yet and it's past the eighth days, everybody agrees that that's a chiv minatayre. And the machloikis in this braise, they're arguing in the posik, the source from where it says that the bris has to be done by day. So one opinion over here is, which is Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, he says, Dashinan We dashin because when it says, ashmini, it says, This is the source for the fact that the bris has to be done by day, bayayim. <coughs> and it says, with an extra vav. So from this we dashin, that not only if the bris is being done actually on the eighth day, but even after the eighth day, it also has to be done by daytime. Omar Sava, the first opinion in the Braith says, We do not darshan the vav of ubayayim. That's what the argument is about. They're not arguing about the moshuch, they're arguing about this word ubayayim, whether you darshan the vav or not. And the Gemara here brings a conversation between Rabbi Yechenen and the Arab Lazar where you see that there was this discussion, and it was, it's based on this that you see that you, whether you darshan the ubayayim, the vav from ubayayim or not. Kihad, Yasev, Rabbi Yechenen. Rabbi Yechenen was sitting, Vikadarish, and he dashed as follows, that Naisar, Bismanoi, ain't an Israf elabayim. So you have Naisar that was left over, it was allowed to be eaten for, for two days and a night, and then it was left over for the third day. So in the Pasik over there it says, Right, so, so he says that if you're burning it on, the, on that actual day, on the third day when it was left over, so if you're burning it on that day, so then you have to fulfill what it says in the Pasik, that it should be burnt by day. It's burnt by daytime. But if he did not get to burn the Naisar on that day itself, on the first day when after it was left over, you're burning it later on, so then you can burn it. It doesn't have to be burnt by daytime, it can be burnt whether by day or by night. 
That was the halacha that Rabbi Yechanan said. And he brought him from another Pasik where it also uses the term Bayoim. And we see that Bayoim is not Dafka on that particular day when the mitzvah is. So he brings from what it says by the bris. So, by the bris, I would think only if the bris was on the eighth day that asked the Shein Nimalala Bayoim that the bris must be by day. How do I know if the bris is on the 9th, 10th, 11th, or 12th day, and so on? That, that it should be by day. Because it's above. So I see that over there it has to be done always by daytime. So, he's, so what Rabbi Laz is asking Rabbi Yechenin is that over here, to the Naisar, the Pasuk uses the term Veha Naisar. There's an extra Vav there as well. So I should learn from that extra Vav to say that Naisar has to always be burnt by Yom HaShlishi, like it says there, on the day. And then he continues and he asks uh, Rabbi Yechenin, Even according to the opinion that there's not Darshan above, we had before that Rabbi Kiva Darshan's every extra Vav in the Torah, but not everybody agrees that you have to Darshan an extra Vav. So even the opinion that says that you don't Darshan above, but Vav hey Darish. If there's an extra vav and a hey, like over here by Neusser, it says vehan Neusser. So because there's both two extra letters, everybody agrees that you have to darshan this. So therefore he's asking Rabbi Yechanan, why are you saying that only on, on the day, the, the third day when it was left over, then has to be burned by day, but following that it doesn't. Shouldn't we understand from the drash that it says by Bris, that over here as well, that it always has to be burned by day. Ishtik, Rabbi Yechanan was quiet, he didn't answer this question. So again, just the, the continuation of the Gemara here, the point the Gemara was bringing this up for is to show you that there's this drasha of the Vav, of Ubayayin, that teaches you by a bris, that not only in the eighth day, whenever you make a bris, it has to be done during the day. Okay, but now getting back to the story here, Rabbi Yechina did not respond to Rabbi Lazar. Basa de Nafik, after Rabbi Lazar went out, Amalei Rabbi Yechina le Rishlakish, Rabbi Yechina turns to Rishlakish and he tells him, Ra'isi le Ben Pedas, I see Ben Pedas, this is Rabbi Lazar, his name was Ben Pedas, he is, uh, Rashi says that he was an Amayra, right? You have Rabbi Laza, which is a Tana, but this is Rabbi Laza ben Pedas, which was an Amayra, and he was actually a student of Rabbi Yechanan. So Rabbi Yechanan says about Rabbi Laza ben Pedas, that he sits and he's dashing the Psukim, as if uh, he's receiving this directly from Moshe Rabbeinu, from the Eibishter. So Rashi says, in other words, he's dashing over here these Psukim, Rabbi Yechanan thought Rabbi Lazar is, is dashing these psukim on, on his own. That you have the Veha Neisar. This is not very uh, common that you have an Amayre that should come, come and make these drashas on his own. Usually this is based on Tanoim dashing psukim this way. Rabbi Lazar is asking Rabbi Yechanan and is dashing the psukim the way the Tanoim usually dashing the drasha and they received it from, from Moshe Misinai. So Rabbi Yechanan wasn't sure if he should rely on this question of Rabbi Lazar, where is there the source that you actually dash in the psukim this way? Amalei Rish Lakish, Rish Lakish says to Rabbi Yechanin, Didehi, this drasha that Rabbi Lazar dashed, do you think that it's his own drasha that he was saying? Masniti, this is a braisa. So Rabbi Yechanin asks, Heiche, where is this braisa that it says, that this drasha that he said? So he, he told him that this is taught in Teres Kainim. It says over there clearly, this drasha that Rabbi Lazar brought, so Nafak, after Rabbi Yechanan heard this, he went out, Tanya Betlasa Yaime, he learned over, he learned the entire Titus Kainim in three days, and then Vesavra Betlasa Yaime, Betlasa Yarche, that is. And then for another three months, he went and learned it again to explain, to understand well all the details of what it says in Titus Kainim. Okay, this is the conclusion of this story. Coming back to Gemara Bingzer, another halacha, Benigeya to Adol. 
Going back, we had before in the Gemara, it said, that they sprinkled upon him the waters from the Paraduma. Even though he's an Adol, the waters that you sprinkle upon him are him. Here, it's going to talk about an Adol that he is doing the sprinkling. So now, Amr Abelazar, he's an Adol that sprinkles the water of the Paraduma, Hazar The Hazar that he did is good, is kosher. Why? We compare this to a Tful Yoyim, a person that was Tomei and he goes to the Mikveh, and by going to the Mikveh he's tired already, but he can't eat, he has to wait until at night to eat from Truma. So this Tful Yoyim, even though he's not allowed to eat Truma until at night, but nevertheless he's allowed to do the Aveda of the Paraduma, he could sprinkle the waters of the Paraduma, which we will bring later the source for this. So, so we compare and say as follows, Sorry, again, again. So this is already a question, actually. But the Gemara is comparing it over here. Just like a Tful Yoyim, so he's also to eat Trume, so he's kosher. He's kosher to eat, uh, he's kosher to do the Aveda of the Paraduma. So, so to get to an Adol. An Adol as well is kosher to do the Aveda and to, <coughs> to, to sprinkle the waters of the Paraduma. Tful Yoyim is different. Tful Yoyim is a person that's allowed to eat Meister. So you see that there's a certain advantage that he has. So maybe that's why he's kosher to sprinkle the waters of the Paraduma. By a person that's an oral, he's not allowed to eat meiser. Says the Gemara, Otu ananla Are we bringing over here a halacha where whether he can eat or not eat is relevant? That's not relevant at all. We're talking about touching the waters of the Paraduma to sprinkle it. And therefore, we're bringing from this that a Tful Yoyim is not allowed to touch Truma. That's our limit. And the Gemara explains, If it comes to a Tful Yoyim, that he's not allowed to even touch Truma. But he's allowed to touch the waters of the Paraduma and sprinkle it. An Oral, even if he's not allowed to eat Truma, but he's allowed to touch the Truma, so for sure it should be allowed for him to touch the waters of the Paraduma to sprinkle it. Tanya Nami we learned this in Abraisa as well. Ara Shehiza, an Oral that sprinkled the waters, Hazase Kishaira, is Azaz Kasher. On my side, there was a story that actually happened that an Oral sprinkled the waters of a Paraduma, Vehechshire Chachamim Azase. And the Chachamim said that his Azaz is Kasher. Like this Allah of Rabbi Lazar. But the Gemara now brings from Abraisa where it says not so. Meisvei, it says in Abraisa, Tumtum Shekidesh. A tumtum sanctified the waters of the paraduma. So this is not the sprinkling, but this is being makadish. The water is put in. You put in the ashes into the water, and he prepares this water. Kiddush apostle. So a tumtum. So when he's makadish it, it's apostle. Why? And because we don't know, you might need a bris and the oral apostle a kaddish. A oral is not allowed to be makadish the waters. So you don't know if he's a zohar or a keve. So he's makadish the waters. Kiddush kosher. So the Kiddush, so he sanctifies the waters, it is kosher, because according to the Tanakhama, even a woman is allowed to prepare the waters of the Paraduma. Rabbi Yudayim, Rabbi Yudayim says, Af Andreigenes Shekiddush, Kiddush of Psulim. And Andreigenes as well, that was Mekadosh, prepared the waters, the waters is going to be Pasum, Mepnesh Yisafik Isha, because an Andreigenes is a person that might be a Isha, and the Isha Psula, Melekadosh, and a woman is not allowed to prepare the waters. And the Gemara will soon explain this machlaikis. But what do we see here? Katani Mia, it says in this Braise, Oral, Visafik Oral. Whether you're an Oral or a Safik Oral, Pasamal Akadish. You're not allowed to prepare the waters for the Paraduma. So the Gemara understands, just like he's not allowed to prepare the waters for the Paraduma, so he's also not allowed to sprinkle the waters of the Paraduma. So how could Rabbi Laza say that he is allowed? 
Rav Yosef said Rav Yosef answers, Hi Tana, the Tana of this Brisa that says that an otl can't prepare or sprinkle the waters. So Tana the Bey Rabbi Kiva who? He's a Tana from the students of Rabbi Kiva. Their Marbile lo otl ketome. Rabbi Kiva compares an otl to a tome that he's mamish exactly the same like a tome. The Tanya Rabbi Kiva, as we learned before, what did Rabbi Kiva say? From where do we know that an otl can't eat trome? So he says, Ish, Ish. We learned it out from the Pasuk where it says Ish Ish, that it includes an Adol as well. What is it talking about on that Pasuk of Ish Ish? The continuation of the Pasuk over there, it says that if he's a Tzeruah or he's a Zav, meaning that he's Tomei, so he can't eat Trume. And we're mad from there that an Adol can't eat Trume as well. So what the Gemara is saying is, just like when it comes to a person that's Tomei, not only could he not eat the Trume, but he also is not allowed to touch the Trume, an Adol is going to be the exact same as a person that's Tomei. He can't even touch the Trume. Right, but if you remember, we had before, according to Rabbi Laz, he didn't learn it out from Ish Ish. He learned it out from a different source. He learned it out from Karban Pesach, that you make a of the Karban Pesach. So according to Rabbi Lazar, even if Adol can't eat Trumah, he's still allowed to touch the Trumah. So, but over here, this Braise that says that he can't do the, the details of Paraduma uh, is going according to Rabbi Kiva. Omar Rav said, I was sitting in front of Rav Yasef, and I had a question about this. That you don't find anywhere that a Tana should slip and say this concept. And they're listening to teach me this halacha according to Rabbi Kiva, Ha'orol ve'atomei, that Ha'orol and Atomei go together. That are in the, they're in the same category. They both can't eat Trume and they can't touch Trume. And ve'leime Rabbi Kiva, and we would say that that would be Rabbi Kiva. In other words, what the Gemara is saying is, this is a very big chiddush to say that Ha'orol not only can't eat Trume, but he can't even touch Trume. It, and it's, it's interesting that you don't find that they should be taught ever anywhere that according to Rabbi Kiva, they're mamish the same. So the Gemara asks, Veloi, do we not find that a Oral and a Tomei are not put together? V'hoketani, but we learned, this is a mission in the beginning of Chagige, Ha'oral Tomei, person without a bris or a person that's Tomei, both of them, Pturim and They're potter from being Oyle Ragel to the base of Mikdash. So here we see they are put together. So maybe that's according to Rabbi Kiva. So the Gemara answers, no, that's not uh, compared to our, what we're speaking about over here. Also, Mishom Demois. Over there, reason why he can't be Euler Agal is of a completely different reason. It's not because of he's compared to a Tomei, but because of Arl, it has his Mos, by the fact that he has an Arla, and therefore, over there, he can't be Euler Agal. But we never find that it says anywhere, when you get to Truma, that it puts, puts an Arl and a Tomei together, Mamish, in the same category. Now the Gemara goes back to the Machlaikis and the Braises that I mentioned before regarding an Andragonis. Basically, the Machlekes is whether a woman could prepare the waters for the Paraduma. Machlekes between the Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda. So they follow their reasoning as follows. The Tanya will learn in Everybody is kosher to prepare the waters of the Paraduma. Only a Cheresheit of a cotton cannot. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda Machsher be cotton. Rabbi Yehuda says a cotton can. But a place will be Isha or Mandragonis. And a Isha and Andragonis, that's a suffix that she could be a woman, they are not allowed to prepare the waters of the Paraduma. My time the Rabbanon. What's the reason of the Rabbanon that a woman could prepare the waters? Because the Pasuk says, So what do we learn from here? That the Hanach, the Psili, Basifa, Psulin, Bekidush. Those that are possible to gather the ashes of the Paraduma, they are also puzzle Bikidush, they are also not allowed to sanctify the waters. But Hanach the Ksherim Basifa, 
those that are kosher to gather the ashes of the paradum, they are also allowed to sanctify the waters. So Rashi here brings that when it comes to gathering the ashes of the paraduma, it says over there, Va'asaf ish tahir. So it has to be Va'asaf ish tahir teaches me that it cannot be a cheresheit of a cotton. That's uh, so it's, it, it excludes a cotton, but but a, but a woman though could do the uh, could do the could gather the waters together. As Rashi brings the Gemara in Yuma, we learned this. The Gemara over there learns out the drasha. So therefore, just like when it comes to the gathering of the ashes of the Pada Aduma, a woman is allowed to do this. So so too, according to the Tanakama, a, a, a woman is allowed. Okay. So that's the opinion of the Tanakama. Rabbi Yehuda, Amalach, Rabbi Yehuda tells you, If so, the Pasuk should say, V'lokach. My V'lokhu, why does it use a plural term, V'lokhu? Da'afila, Hanach, Dipsulim, Hasam, Kshedim. The Pasuk of here is coming to say that even those that are possible before, in other words, even a cotton that we said before, it says ish, and it excludes a cotton, but of here, because it says v'lakhu, and it uses a plural term, so I say that even a cotton would be kosher. Yachi ish nami. If so, if it says v'lakhu, a plural term, why don't I say that even a woman is allowed? So he says no, because it says v'nosan. It says v'nosan, and it's v'lainet v'nosanot, it uses a lashen zachar, v'nosan, and not v'nosanot, so a woman is not allowed. The Rabbanon and the Rabbanon say, If we would say, So then, I would think to say, That only if one takes the water and, uh, and uh, gathers it together and puts it into the, into the, uh, the ashes inside, and one places it inside, so then I would think that only then is it kosher. If two people do it together, then it would not be kosher. So therefore, Kosov Rachmane Velokhu, the Torah writes Velokhu, that even two could do it together. So you can't, you can't be medayik anything from the word Venosan, as opposed to Venosnu, or Velokhu, as opposed to Velokach, because the Torah wants to write specifically Velokhu, not in order to include a cotton, but in order to make it clear that even two people could do it together. Because Rahman of Alakhu Vinasnu, on the other hand of the Tater would write a uh, plural term for both, Vilakhu and Vinasnu, have a minute the Shakli Trey, Vyavi Trey, that they, only two have to gather together and two have to put it into the water, only then will it be good. So therefore the Torah writes this term, that even if two took it, they took the ashes, and only one placed it into the water, it'll be tired. So the point is that according to the Tanakama, the, the plural term of Velokhu doesn't teach me anything. It can't teach me that you include a cotton as well. It's just coming to say that even two people could do it together. Let's just finish off one point of here. The last thing that the Gemara Darshan is from, the Psukim by Pada Duma. It says that one that's Toir sprinkles it on one that's Tomei. So this word Hatoir is an extra word because it's self-understood that it's speaking about someone that's Toir based on what it says before in the Psukim there. Why does it say the word Hatoir? Toir miklal shuhu Toir means that from this I understand that he was Tomei. Limet, this is the source from where I see that al tful yaim That a person that is a tful yaim, he went to the mikveh, but he didn't wait until at night to be able to eat trume, that he's kosher to be able to sprinkle the waters of the paraduma, like we said before already.